This is Season 3 of Views of the Bridge, a podcast about your Philadelphia Union. We're part of the Beautiful Game Network. You can find all things BGN at BGN.FM. Let's get right to it. Looks like he's lining up for a shot. Jacob Glesnes is going for it. Is. Oh, my oh. God! Gaddis, Ray with options, will cross us in, and it's back home by Casper Shabenga. What a slide tackle by Jack Elliott. Back to that shutout for Andre Blake. Fontana will give it a strike. Anthony Fontana has the go-ahead goal! One of the best teams across the league. But my word, Jim Curtin has pushed all the right buttons in 2020. And nobody will be able to take away the trophy from Jim Curtin and the Philadelphia Union. This is a five for five city. Put some respect on our name. Let's go, dude. Good things happen in Philadelphia. Hey, welcome everybody to uh, Views from the Bridge, your second favorite Philadelphia Union podcast behind, you know, uh, that other one. Yeah, you know, the one you listen to. The one you listen to most, um, but we hope we're in everybody's ear holes, so that's that's why. Um, glad that you could join us tonight. I'm Justin, uh, and I have a rowdy cast and crew here with us. Um, first, I'll introduce uh, Paul Catrino. How how are you? Oh, you know, just chaotic as always. You know, just day by day, causing more trouble. I heard you send, spend some time at the post office today. I did, yeah. I was trying to send out everyone's uh, Jungle jersey that they ordered from uh, our jersey sponsor, Icarus FC. And uh, the woman at the post office got through four packages and told me I'm going to lunch. Come back later. That's really good. Really good customer service. Yeah. Oh, man. USPS has taken a bit of a nosedive. Uh, mm. <laughs> It's uh, but yeah, so your jerseys are going out soon, guys. I promise. I'm gonna be the first guy at the post office tomorrow, and there you'll you be really mine. Happy. One of the four that got shipped. It did. Yes, one of your, yours was one of the four, but Justin's was the next one, and then she stopped me. So I felt I very know. bad about tonight. I don't know if I'm allowed to speak yet because I haven't been introduced. So mystery voice. You guys are not that 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 post office worker is not like changing my stereotype of philadelphians so <laughs> okay. Okay. okay not at all okay. uh, so justin, yeah. i'd like to justin i'd like to interject as as not quite mystery voice because oh. hi, it's, hi it's evan here You're not a um, voice at all no i'm not, not clearly not but as a response to mystery voice um paul likes to forget that i exist and he also likes to much like new york red bull forget to tell people he's actually from new jersey yeah, sorry. It's uh, yeah. so. so <laughs> I, I, I don't even. Say, I don't actually, disrespect um, it. I, I actually really respect the move of like it's time for me to eat lunch, and I don't care. <laughs> I, that's what I'm gonna do. Um, yeah, I mean, before. all of us have been there before. Yeah, you find me in a similar on. position. I'm probably doing the same thing, and if they have a problem with it, I'm slowly just gonna put my sign up on the desk that says right. "Be back in an hour" and just shuffle away. So. Sorry, okay. sorry. Shout out to you, man. No, no, no. I'm going to put some context around this conversation real quick. John yeah. Arnold is here with us. He was mystery voice that you heard. <laughs> yes, um, yes, John, yes. <laughs> John Arnold is going to is gonna give us some CONCACAF knowledge here in a second, but John Arnold is from Texas. So there is really – postal workers probably don't do this kind of thing in Texas. Do they exist yeah. in Texas? No, we have postal workers. We do have postal workers. Yeah, we, we – uh... 
my post op experiences have been good and I always love uh, the USPS. So stay strong, workers. I know it hasn't been an easy year. Oh, certainly. It's also not good to be here. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. This is not where I expected this conversation to go, but I'm fine with it. It's absolutely. <laughs> when we say we're a soccer podcast, we say that we're not. No. <laughs> Um, it's a soccer podcast as a front for a, a lifestyle podcast, I guess. Your <laughs> your non-mystery voice that you heard, who decided he didn't want to host tonight, but is going to interject himself every 30 <laughs> seconds and host the show anyway, is Evan Valella. This is why all I right. didn't mention you to John. All right, I didn't yeah. Paul, thank you for jumping the gun on that one. Um, in, in trying to and successfully <laughs> luring John onto this podcast... Justin apparently forgot to, who are you? Paul apparently forgot to mention that I exist to the <laughs> point where I now don't even remember his name right away. Oh so, my goodness, where big thanks are to, we? Uh, to Paul Katrina Jr. for being a terrible human being. Um, Justin, thank you. It's good to see you. Um, I'm ready when you are. All right, sounds good. And uh, yeah. Chuck Booth is also here with us tonight. Hi, Chuck. Yeah, um, can you tell that we all miss each other? But <laughs> yeah, it's I am going to drop a quite a cliche and i'm feeling electric in my new union kit tonight yes and there's your visual on an audio there's okay. your visual on an audio podcast congratulations take a lap um i am very excited to have you on john because wait wait honestly, wait, 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 wait. Oh. as a host <laughs> yes please I'm gonna oh sorry host by i'm gonna transition Go i'm gonna tra i'm gonna transition this real quick um we need to talk about the supporters supporters shield defending philadelphia union but maybe not U.S. Open Cup appearing Philadelphia mm -hmm. in, um, tonight. And John Arnold is here to talk about it. Paul, you um, we will come back to the maybe not U.S. Open Cup appearing in a second. Um, but, Paul, you, uh, you lured John on this podcast, so I will let you set up this conversation. No, absolutely. Um, it's, it's nice that um, John's um, newsletter, subscription-based email, uh, Get CONCACAFed, is awesome. Mostly because he does everything, but he does it in a way that is not simple and straightforward. Like it's very much user friendly and easy to read and you want to read it because it's not just fact, you know, like uh, what is it? Uh, Anguilla as the worst, uh, the worst FIFA ranked team in the world. Like they're trying to get out of like the basement of the FIFA rankings. Um, what was it just last week? Hades U23s end up playing a bunch of Mexico fans. Yeah. Like, and then, um, what is it? I think last month, uh, Puerto Rico Islanders in the CCL semifinal. Yeah. Those yeah, are all just like that, super yeah. fun stories. And like, I love reading on like those little niche things because let's face it, like we're MLS guys, you know, we really hone in on this league, but Central America does kind of get lost in the fold sometimes. And it's nice to have someone who's as plugged in as you are. Yeah, I appreciate it. And thanks for having me on. I mean, that that really was the impetus. Well, that and, and a pandemic was the impetus to starting that, you know, I, I worked at goal for a long time covering the Mexico national team and the CONCACAF region. But when I would pitch some of those stories to goal, you know, things I was hearing, things I noticed were happening or, or things I'd wanted to dive deep on historically, like the Puerto Rico Islanders making it all the way to a CONCACAF Champions League semifinal something that, you know, no other team until this year outside of the U.S., Mexico, or Costa Rica had ever done. And then a Honduran team joined those teams this year. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, like when I would pitch those stories to goal, they're like, nah, like, <laughs> you know, like people are not going to click that. It's not going to be interesting. And, and you know, I think I have, you know, and, and through 
chats with guys like you and, and other podcasts and people being really kind on Twitter and and finding some of those interesting stories uh, I've been able to find, I, I would say, and, and hopefully continue to grow a community of people who say, no, I'm actually interested in this. Like this to me is probably more fascinating than X, Y, Z, you know? So, uh, you know, the typical stuff. I mean, we all watch the games and if you want to see highlights now, you can find highlights. So, you know, there's still some game coverage, but I definitely want get CONCACAF through the newsletter to be sort of a space for the stories that you're not hearing anywhere else. And, and hopefully uh, I've achieved that. And those are, those are three great examples, Paul, of, of stories where I really feel like I've kind of, you know, that's my groove. Uh, that is, that is my niche. And, and, and yeah, sometimes weird stuff happens here. And I, I like that. Yeah. I mean, like you've clear, like you've clearly found it and it's, I'm getting emails from you every few days or so. And it's just like, great. Yes. I, I, I could read all day, honestly, if I could, especially about this game, but it's, um, it's definitely nice to have because you're getting, you know, the union that are now involved in these competitions with these other teams. And you've got all these fans going, well, we don't know anything about these Costa Rican teams. What's a Saprisa? Um, and it's nice that they're able to adjust themselves in a way that they're not just reading about scores and who's, you know, who's scoring and, you know, where they sit in the table. It's, it's more of these pieces that these authors really want to tell. And if you really want to tell a story, it means that someone's going to really want to read that story. I think that's what's really good about getting CONCACAF. A lot of those articles are really well thought out. Oh, thanks. And hopefully like that is that was the plan when I launched it. Right. I left goal in March of last year. And then, of course, uh, my last day was the, the Rudy Gobert NBA shuts down day. And it was like, oh, this is yeah. going to be this is going to be a thing. It turned out to be awful, obviously. Um, but, you know, like the idea was always, oh, I'll give U.S. and Canada fans kind of intelligence on their opponents and I'll give Philadelphia Union fans intelligence on what's going on with Saprissa and, and those kinds of things. So, you know, when there were no games, it was difficult. But now I think it's it's a little easier to kind of dig into some of those and, and, and yeah, let people know, like, how is Saprissa doing and those kind of things that I'm sure we'll get into in this conversation. But, uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's a project that I that I'm enjoying and that, that I always feel really edified and gratified when people are, are signing up and, and digging it and, and that kind of thing. So yeah, great to be with you guys hanging out. And, and I'm looking forward to chatting a little bit about, about the region and the union and, and all topics. Concacaf. John, um, obviously most Philadelphia union fans didn't care about the CONCACAF champions league until, um, I don't know, after they won the supporter shield. Cause that seems to be how that works is a lot of MLS teams are kind of like, I don't know, indifferent towards it until they're in it. Um, I cared because I saw a wonderful opportunity to have the first Walter Cortez Derby, <laughs> given that he was previously uh, here in the organization with, with uh, now Philadelphia Union 2. From a, from a Union fan standpoint, what is being in the CCL like and what does it do for the club's exposure in Central and South American markets, and does that matter at all? Like, what, what's the what's the hook here, regardless of if the team does well or not? I guess. Yeah, I, I would say first of all, it's your continental championship, right? And look, as much as we say, ah, well, you know, Euro snobs, whatever. It seems like you guys are. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm sure you guys have like your European clubs you support. It seems like you guys all also support local soccer quite fervently, which is something I like to do. But 
you know, I still like to watch the UEFA Champions League and every European team, whether it's Barcelona or Cadiz, wants to make the UEFA Champions League, right? Just like I think every team here should want to make the CONCACAF Champions League. Mm. It is an opportunity to kind of fly your flag, to market yourself. I'm not going to say like, oh, because you make the CCL now, players who want to come to the U.S. are going to ask their agent specific, oh, send me to the Philadelphia Union. That's the team that was in CCL. It's not like that, but I mean, it is good, I think, for your international brand and just the fact that you're playing a team that has as much history as Saprissa, a team that quite frankly has more history than I would say maybe every MLS team, really, when you look at yeah. it, <laughs> uh, it, it, is good. You know, like those are those are games that can go down in history as well. And, mm. and I think like when you play those teams, you are putting yourself in that same breath for sure. And, and when you ideally beat those teams, you really have accomplished something, right? So and then you get to later rounds and and it's the proving ground. You know, if you beat Liga Mekis teams, if you're, you know, the first MLS team to win this thing, legitimately people will be talking about you forever. Um, so I think there's a big opportunity for any team that's in it, especially in the MLS side of things. And does it help with exposure? Sure. I'm not sure how much of benefit like the fan gets from that, the club, mm-hmm. sure. And but but yeah, I mean, you know, you're not gonna be selling as nice as that kit looks on Chuck, like you're not gonna be selling shirts in in Costa Rica or Panama just because of this game, but it's good to right, kind right. of get the name out there to become a team that's like known. And then I do think agents probably start to look a little more. And I do think players start to say, Oh yeah. Okay. Maybe I'll go there. And Oh, maybe my family would like to live there and that kind of thing. If they have a good experience when they visit and that sort of thing. So I think it grows, but your first appearance is probably not just going to be, wow, now I want to move to Philly. But, but ultimately if you're consistently in this thing it's good. That, that's what I was going to say is that I think it's the, you start getting that appeal when you're consistently that team that's showing up from the United States every few years or so that it's like, okay, clearly they've set a standard for themselves and they want to be here and trying to play competition that they're not used to. Because once you start getting into these later rounds, you really have to look at it as these are the toughest teams that Philadelphia has ever had to face ever. Cause not all this MLS opposition is matching up to these talents from Central America and these Liga Mekki teams. So once they get there, yeah, they instantly become super important games. Like, because let's face it, you know, like an LAFC team is really good. And that's like getting near the pinnacle of competition in MLS. But once you start getting into these, you haven't dealt with teams like that before. And it is, a, it is like a really good challenge and it should be something that every team strives for because you should want to beat the best especially in a uh, tournament that they're just going to let you play in. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I, I just really think like it is the pinnacle of club competition. Now, whatever you want to say about leagues cup or anything else that's happening, the CCL is, and has been the biggest thing, the most important thing. And uh, yeah, go for it. I mean, go for it. Right. Why not? Like, I really don't see a reason why you wouldn't, there can be some difficulties and I, I definitely understand like, Oh, maybe we should play some young players in the away leg or that kind of thing. But like, go for this tournament. If you're, if you're an MLS team, I don't see the benefit in taking a few plays off and winning a June league game because you rested up your player in May or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, especially in a league that has playoffs, it, there really is no benefit because you can limp into playoffs and still go on a run. Like, you're not hurting yourself on the table. Um, also, kind of in that same vein of, like, exposure, um, one thing that's been 
talked about a lot is like kind of the potential of a Liga MX and MLS merger. Um, it basically is that something that's one even attainable or and if so is it worth it or do you feel like um things like ccl um potentially and potentially setting up a competition between just directly mls and league mx is is um enough to move the needle yeah it's interesting i think that mexico has something that mls desperately wants which is prestige history, sort of a, a feeling and sort of a vibe, I guess, as a soccer country. MLS has something that Mexico definitely uh, desperately wants, which is American dollars, but also kind of marketing know-how, the ability to sell tickets. You know, when you pre-pandemic, obviously, you look at the attendance numbers and people really like going to MLS games. And in Mexico, sure, you get teams where, you know, Monterrey, Tigres, America and Chivas, the big teams, People go, but there are also teams where people don't really want to go and they don't have a great TV deal because it's it's not uh, all together. It's each team works its own deal. And anyway, all that to say, like there's things that both leagues have that the other leagues covet. And you're starting to see FIFA sort of pave the way for this with the potential Belgium and Netherlands league that could happen. I mean, you already got TFC, Montreal, and Vancouver in MLS. So I think it's possible, but I also think people are kind of looking at this wrong. I don't know that the leagues are going to merge, but I wouldn't be surprised if we see kind of an interleague situation like we had in baseball. You know, for a long time, it wasn't, it was the American League and the National League, and whenever they played each other, it was special, and interleague was like not even a thing. And then it, and it just was, and now they're just kind of, yeah, sure, like why wouldn't, the Phillies play the Texas Rangers. Like, why wouldn't they play the White Sox? Whatever. I think you're probably going to get to a similar situation with MLS in Mexico. And in some ways, you already have that with League's Cup, right? And this this Campeones mm. Cup that the two teams, uh, the champions, play against each other. So I wouldn't be surprised to see that continue to expand. I think that's like, you know, people sort of, and myself included, like, it's, it's easy to ignore because it doesn't have any history. It doesn't have any prestige. But at the same time, I think it's obviously the trial balloon of, like, would this work? And could we do more things like this? And I don't see any reason why, okay, look, like, let's add a League's Cup group stage, quote, unquote, and then are the leagues merged? No. But are the teams playing each other every year? Yes. And are, is MLS getting some of that prestige from playing, you know, if, if, if the union go beat the crud out of America? They would get the prestige from that. And America gets the, the sponsorship dollars from some and from from League's Cup, you know, from the TV deal and everything. So I think there's a way for those teams to get the benefit without sort of smashing it together into Liga MLS or whatever the heck you would call it. But that would absolutely be the name of it. That would absolutely be the name. Maybe I should try and trademark it right now. I'm actually going to go to that post office lady and send it to myself. But the problem is she's going to cut me off. She's going to be like, nah, I can't. Nah, she's at dinner till like next week, bro. Yeah. It's not going to happen. But no, I mean, like, I, I think like it's possible that you see those things instead of just a smash together. Hey, we fuse the leagues. Maybe oh. that comes down the road. And I think like owners on each side of the border are sort of intrigued by it. But I think there's also teams that are kind of like, eh, like, I don't know. And another thing is, look, like in Dallas this weekend, despite COVID-19 and everything, the friendlies returned. Liga Mekis teams come here every international break here being the US and they play friendly matches and they make a lot of money. If somehow that like that relevant case with the Spain situation 
if they say, ah, oh, yeah, actually, U.S. has to let La Liga play in Miami, you might see a Mexican team say, cool, I'm going to play in Albuquerque or whatever, right? Once mm-hmm. or whatever. So um, I think there's other ways to think about it without it being, hey, we're smashing the leagues together. And I think the more that fans kind of wrap their mind around it, the more sort of realistic some of this fusion might be really long-winded for me to say like yeah maybe i could come together is it does it matter does it affect ccl yes but at the same time like i do think that it's worth having saprisa from costa rica alhulense from costa rica olympia from honduras and these caribbean teams and, and, and central american teams that are trying to get better that concap is trying to facilitate improving um and it's worth mentioning that in the new ccl format there's also going to be a lot more games between mls and mexico and uh and so you know maybe that is enough for the ownership of those sides to say, cool, we're good. Let's throw five more games on League's Cup and call it a day. So we'll see. Yeah, I mean, it definitely makes sense because, like, there is no clear answer to this because, I mean, at the end of the day, we are not the people designing schedules and figuring out what these TV deals are looking like. Um, But with the overarching thing that Mexico wants the money from American TV deals, while MLS needs the viewers from Mexican soccer games to sell those games, it makes a whole lot of sense to play more games. Yeah, I I think like there is clear incentive and both sides have something that the other wants. And that's generally how you see, look, I'm not a businessman, uh, certainly, as you can tell from my free newsletter product. But, uh, you know, it seems like that's that's a way a lot of relationships get made. Yeah, and it seems like the best way to go about it is like, let's collaborate on a couple things, see what the reception is. If we don't like it, we can always create another competition. Like, it, none of these organizations are above, you know, making a new competition that combines teams from other areas. And it's. Yeah, and, and it's worth noting that CONCACAF, even in Leagues Cup, they sort of underline hey, like the referees are CONCACAF referees. Like, we're part of this tournament. And in the new CCL format uh, that goes into place in a couple years here, it's a lot more games. And it, it is, again, a CONCACAF tournament that they are saying MLS agreed to this, Liga Mekis agreed to this, everyone's singing from the same hymn sheet. How true is that when it's really behind closed doors? We don't know. Mm. But at least right now, everyone's kind of like, yeah, 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 we're all pulling in the same direction. And maybe there is enough money for everyone, right? Because that's what, look as much as a romantic as we want to be about this and, and support the teams wearing Icarus shirts and stuff like that, which I love. And, and, you know, I'm bummed out by the open cup going to this situation. Mm. Like ultimately what drives us is money. That's ultimately what drives the boat, especially at the highest level. And, and if there is enough money to go around for CONCACAF, Liga Mekis and MLS ownership to all be happy at the end, then, you know, maybe they don't do anything, right. Maybe they just say, Hey, this is good, but you have to imagine that they're going to keep chasing that cash. Yeah, and I think it has to be a, a balance of getting that cash and creating a tournament that's accessible to everyone. Like it's not it's not something that's so difficult to get into that these smaller these smaller areas and leagues just don't even have a prayer in getting into it. Like if you create a fight for a bigger championship, you know, there's gonna be the incentive and you know the the energy surrounding those games because it's something that you know a lot of leagues didn't have access to in the first place and now 
there's a new Caribbean tournament, I believe that's going to be Caribbean and Central American. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, if you create these more avenues, it's like, oh, wow, it's all going towards this one tournament, the CCL. And that's like, once you start getting everyone drawn into that, I think that's really what's going to help with the the growth there too. Real quick that no one really talks about is the fact that I think it's so, so easy to imagine Philadelphia Union versus Chivas. Atlanta United versus Club America, LA Galaxy versus Tigres. But don't forget, like if we smash these leagues together all the way, we also have, pick it out of a hat, but like Colorado Rapids versus Puebla. Yeah. Is that going to move the needle for anybody? My needle right now. Give me that. Oh, well. <laughs> that's, a match, that's a match that I need. I will take the most random matches ever. Give me Whether the 80% of the viewers want to take those is a whole other thing. So we already had um, Philadelphia Union Pumas friendly thing that just got laughed out of the city of Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's, what's yeah. the link there? Is it the Beanbo Bread situation? I probably. That's where the, most of the money comes from. <laughs> the, the union has the most obscure links with so many clubs across the world. It it's just wild. Uh, speaking of clubs around the world, speaking of leagues in Concacaf, uh, John, is there any leagues? Don't say MLS, please. Like, like, please. Oh. <laughs> oh, I, I highly, I highly doubt. MLS is going to be the answer to this. I question. just don't want it to be the answer. Anyway, the question, <laughs> please. <laughs> the yeah. suspense um, is killing uh, me. What leagues have, have grown and or, or made big leaps and bounds across Concacaf in the last you know, five or so years? Yeah, it's uh, it's MLS, <laughs> right? <laughs> MLS and the Canadian Premiership, right? That's... The thing is. I, I actually would also say that Liga Mekis has gotten better, which I think gets lost a lot of times in, in something I kind of consistently write during CCL tournaments that like it can be true both that MLS has not arrived to where Mexico currently is, where Mexican League currently is, and that it's it's way better than it has been MLS, you know, because Liga Mekis also has, I think, gotten better. You look at, you know, like one guy is not a it's not a trend, but like Gignac just raised Tigres's level in an insane way. And they kept buying. Like they didn't just buy Gignac. Like they brought mm. big Yo Pisaro back from who they sold to Sevilla. They brought him back and he's in the starting lineup. You know, they, they brought Carlos Salcedo back from the Bundesliga. Mm. So, you know, it's not like, oh, it's just one player. But, but I think like it's easy to see that progress. You know, MLS's progress you see is like kind of on a line that's not trending sharply enough. And then that, that Liga Mekis just stays flat. And it's like, why is it never catching up? But if they're both climbing, the, the lines are not going to catch each other. Again, yeah. sorry for the visual <laughs> analogy for the, uh, for the audio medium. But nonsense, we respect. I, I, I would it. say Liga Mekis has gotten better. MLS has gotten a lot better. And part of the reason MLS has gotten better is because they're doing intelligent scouting of Central America. So you look at Costa Rica, Panama, Honduras, their leagues, I would say, have gotten worse. Also, the pandemic, I mean, is really, really difficult. It's difficult on everyone, you know, financially, economically, but like a lot of teams I do not think are going to come out of this, unfortunately. Panama's league is like, I, I, I sort of see as an encouraging one, but you look at like specifically Costa Rica, where you have, you know, Saprissa, who the Union are going to face, Alvalense, Herediano, they're the three big ones. And then you have a couple teams that are sort of like upstarts who do well and, and play some interesting football. 
But, you know, basically any time that someone starts to stand out, either an MLS team comes and buys them or they make the jump all the way to directly to Europe in the case of like Manfred Ugalde, who left Saprissa, who I think will be probably Costa Rica's top forward in a year, two years maybe, just played at the U23s, you know, really, really standout player. He's in the city football group system. Like that's the kind of team that's buying the top players from Stabrisa. So, you know, now that the the world of, of soccer is so much smaller where you can just get on a platform and, and watch, you know, if I want to go find a defender in, in Libya, I can probably find clips of him, right? Obviously a forward in, in Costa Rica is not that difficult to find. It's available on the scouting software. I can get the advanced metrics for certain players, for certain leagues. So it's made it really difficult for some of CONCACAF's, I would guess you'd call it middle-class leagues, to, to excel, right? Because they're just losing, it's just a talent drain. And yeah, sure, they get money. And in theory, you can invest that into buying a new player, but you're already buying the best talent in your country and those guys are getting sold. So like, who are you going to get next? You know, do you start to kind of take the Mexico and the MLS model and try and bring in Argentine guys? Do you try and bring in Brazilian guys, Colombian guys? Maybe, but like, that's not, that's not a cheap route necessarily. So I think the, those leagues have really kind of uh, struggled in the last five years to kind of find the replacement portion of the cycle. Um, and you're seeing a lot of them sort of go through uh, highs and lows just because their players get bought and, and it's tough. Mm-hmm. So I guess like not a, not a real inspiring situation for the CONCACAF club game, but I think that's where we're at. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that is pretty, pretty interesting because it definitely didn't, I, I mean, I guess I probably more would have hoped that it would be a slightly rosier picture, especially since um, while the club game's not looking great, um, the national team game is. Um, Unfortunately for the U.S., as shown by um, the great Olympics crash out for the third time running um, yesterday, uh, which also, in a very roundabout way, leads into our ne- next question, which um, is kind of a dual parter because it's first, what's going on with Jamaica? Um, because first, you have like the kind of mini boycott over the match day payments, as well as their pursuit of every dual national on the face of the earth. As well as um, with Carousel, um, like I, I'm it's trying to comprehend just like what the like I know the addition of Gus Hiddink is big for them and trying to actually recruit Dutch dual nationals, but what does it mean? Yeah. Uh, well, let's let's start with Jamaica. You saw the U.S. dominate them as they should have because it's a it's a pretty weak Jamaica team. Obviously, y'all's boy Andre Blake, one of the players who's frustrated by the situation with the federation. Uh, I think in my newsletter I put like, oh look, it's like player and federation dispute time again because Jamaica and El yeah. Salvador are both going through this again. It's a constant battle, um, you know. Like on the one hand, I I think like on the broadcast, they mentioned that like Jamaica's players asked for more than the U.S. makes in this specific for for their match fee. And I I think they kind of like, I I, I don't know, like I'm not trying to say that they're trying to tilt it one way or another, but it's like, yeah, maybe. But the U.S. plays 
20 matches a year and Jamaica's only going to play the games that are required, although they need to start playing these friendlies like the one they did against the U.S. to kind of like get over the hump because they made the Gold Cup final twice. So it's like they're they're there, but not quite, right? And I think that that recruitment strategy is another way where you're looking and, you know, I think they want to bring these guys in because they see the difficulty they're going to have qualifying when you have Mexico as good as Mexico is, the U.S. as promising as the U.S. looks, and then that number three spot, it's like, you pencil in Costa Rica and they've got veterans, they've got Kaylor Navas and goal. And they've got these young guys I'm talking about like Manfred and Jurgen Montenegro and, and company. Right. So I think it's smart. Uh, Curacao does the same thing. They've been doing it for a while. I really changed my perspective on Curacao when I had the opportunity to travel there on assignment and ask some of the players, like, what does it mean to you to play for Curacao? Because it's easy to see these guys who who represent these Caribbean national teams as kind of mercenaries, right? Ah, oh, you're just trying to get in the World Cup, or ah, oh, you're just trying to get some vacation and get some some of that match day bonus. Although it's not insane money for most like first division professionals. Yeah, but like talking to them and just hearing the emotion that that a lot of those guys had, Leandro Bacuna, Eloy Room. Uh, you know, I talked to talked to six or seven of them. I talked to Kuka Martini the other day for my newsletter. Like, it means the world to them to represent this this island that they're you know maybe they were born on, maybe their parents are from there, or maybe their grandparents are from there. Like, hearing about it from their relatives and that kind of thing, and then to be able to put on that shirt, sing the national anthem, like it really, really means a lot to them. It was interesting that Goose Hidden got brought in, and he had kind of some welcome to Concacaf moments. They won both games, but he was in. Guatemala playing against Cuba and Cuba just called in their foreign based players for the first time ever. So they had a much tougher game than I think they expected Curacao did. And, you know, it looks like they'll get to at least this kind of uh, critical qualification round. Uh, It looks like they'll win the group. They got to beat Guatemala. So it's also not a guarantee, but what does it mean? I mean, it means they're taking it super seriously and and look like the previous coach, Remco Bicentini, really lovely guy, really, really talented coach. Um, he was already doing some of the recruitment, you know, some of the guys that, that Goose is calling are the same guys that got called by, by Remco. I think what it's going to take, you know, the fact that Hiddink is there kind of signals to those players, Hey, this is something we're going to fund. We're going to keep getting you all across the Atlantic. We're going to keep putting you on first class or whatever it is. I don't know what the agreements are, but you know, Hey, we're serious about this project. And also the closer they get to the world cup, the more intriguing it is for those guys, because there, there are guys like Tahit Chong from Manchester United. Uh, he's on loan in Belgium right now. You know, young player has a, a future probably with the Netherlands national team. But if Curacao calls you this cycle and says, hey, you could play in the World Cup right now if you help us win three more games, that maybe is a pretty intriguing option, right? And, and, and maybe a, a fascinating thing. It's also a tiny, tiny country. So it'd be really remarkable if they did that, even if they do it with recruits and goose hitting, right? So um, I think recruitment is something that's here to stay in CONCACAF and, and especially in the Caribbean where so many players are based in England or in these cases like Suriname and Aruba, the Netherlands. Uh, but I don't have a problem with it. It's within the FIFA rules. We all know who's eligible and who's not. And, and everyone can kind of, you know, do the research on their own. The federations can find these guys. And if they can convince these guys, fair play to them. I think it really strengthens the quality of play. And, and, and again, like, it, you know, maybe there's some guys who are like, I don't care. But just like the German Americans that, that played for the U.S., you know, I think we would all say that Jermaine Jones gave, you know, whatever you think about him, he gave it all for the shirt, right? He really cared about the U.S. national team and performed for the U.S. national team at a World Cup. Like, you know, he was eligible because that's how the rules work. So why should, you know, Antonio or whoever not play for Jamaica or or Chong or whokaida not play for Curacao? So uh, up in Cincinnati is someone that the court as well. Maybe he crosses the line and decides to play for Curacao. So 
I don't know. I think it's interesting, but I think not only are you going to see it at that top level, Jamaica, Curacao, Suriname is trying to, to, to jump in there with a really big recruitment campaign, but also some of the smaller countries are, are starting to realize, you know, Anguilla in that article that I wrote, they're like, yeah, we need to figure out like if there's a guy in league two or league one in England that has Anguillan ancestry, he might be one of the better players on our team. We need to figure out how to get him in the setup. We need to convince him this will be fun. So, you know, it's all a process, but I think it's a really relevant thing in CONCACAF. And, you know, it has been in the past, Jamaica 1998, the UB40s, the guys who are, were British-based and, and uh, had that, that, that reggae boy campaign. So it's going to be fascinating. It's going to be really interesting. But I think ultimately it, it does strengthen the region. It makes, us, it makes us stronger and it makes the U.S. have to play better teams. Hopefully they can figure out what the match fee should be and Andre Blake can actually go back to the national team and, and, and suit up and maybe even have a chance to make the World Cup. But uh, I, I think it's good. I think it's a good thing. Yeah, overall, I mean, it's really, really cool to see because you want those other teams in CONCACAF to also be making the news. Like, it really is just no fun if it's the U.S., Mexico, and then insert team here. It should be a six-team fight. Yeah. And even if the U.S. and Mexico make it, even if it's chalk, right, even if it's U.S., Mexico, Costa Rica, if they get pushed, if they get nervous, if they have to, to play difficult away games, that's how it shouldn't be easy to qualify for a World Cup. And I guess like U.S. didn't qualify last time, so they should know that it's not easy. But I do think there's especially in Mexico where I've, I've lived and reported on uh, a lot, you know, there is this attitude of, oh, it's CONCACAF. We're going to win. We're going to win. We're going to win. And that's usually true, but I think the more challenges that, that players can get, the better. Even if you do win, even if Mexico and the U.S. do come out as, as one, two, if they're pushed, they will be better at the World Cup when they face difficult competition. I think it's something that's held Mexico back for a while, right? Because they're playing these games and they're playing against maybe not amazing competition. Then they get to the World Cup and when it times gets time to go to the Quinto Partido, they're playing Brazil. They're like, we do not know it's how like, to play against a team. Ah. That <laughs> yeah, we, I mean, you, you, really see, you really see that. And Tata Martino's tried to, to change that around, but if you can get those sorts of tests, even if you pass them, if you can get those kind of tests in World Cup qualification without having to try and wedge in a friendly against Argentina and pay them thousands and thousands of dollars to come fly to the U.S. or whatever, if you can, can get that top-level competition in CONCACAF, everyone's better for it. So hopefully the region keeps improving, and I think from the top, that's where that's coming from, and from the bottom, the Nations League has convinced a lot of these countries hey, you, you need to have an actual plan. You can't just show up every four years, get eliminated in World Cup qualification, and then show up four years later again just to collect your FIFA check. You have to actually put a team together and you have to actually get a project. And that's why some of them are starting to recruit and, and those sorts of things. So I do think, uh, I think Chuck, you mentioned, like it seems like a bright time for the international game, for the national teams in the region. And I, I think we are about to experience some really exciting times as we go into the 2022 cycle and then 2026, when not only those teams are going to be even better, but also we get to host the world cup. So, And it, it's nice because as someone who obviously I root for the United States, but I don't want them to have an easy time of it ever because complacency kills, especially in this game, you just have to keep growing. And if the competition is better at the base level, you're not showing up to a world cup and being like, Oh, we have to play world beaters now. It's like, no, we play intense competition all the time. At the international level doesn't matter where they're coming from. I want that so bad because it should uh, genuinely, cause it's just, it is only better for these players. You throw these guys into these challenges and it shows you that 
there's going to be adversity at your club level, at your international level, in these friendly games. It does not matter what the venue is. If you're here in this region and you're competing in MLS or you're competing in, you know, Liga MX, it doesn't matter because no matter what, you're going to be thrown good competition every time. And it forces people to step their game up. And that's what starts separating, you know, the talents who want to work hard. It makes scouting so much easier because you're getting that level of competition that you want them to be playing. So you know that their level is real and it's legit. It, it only does better things for these international players, for sure. It's coming. It's coming. They're getting better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this stinks because like the Philadelphia union aren't going to win the CONCACAF champions league. And I don't think That's they true. have to, uh, well, I mean, they could win, but I, I would, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say here and say they're going to win, but okay. I they mean, could. literally <laughs> as soon as you end up finishing this, I'm probably going to argue against you, but okay, continue. fine. Uh, so the union aren't going to win the CONCACAF champions league. I said that Paul Katrina. Hi, how are you? Um, we're all in the boat that it's most likely going to be Monterey or someone from Emehi. But if you could take one side right now that it, it shouldn't, it shouldn't sit comfortably as they could win the champions league in 2021. But who do you think is that team that just out of left field really has built something nice hasn't made a lot of noise doing it and could potentially get themselves into that CONCACAF Champions League final. Yeah, I, I do think like a union or a crew could have a nice run. I don't know, like it shouldn't be a shock anymore, right? LAFC made the final this past time and everyone kind of, I think, expected it and good. I look at Alajuense, uh, Liga from, uh, from Costa Rica. I think that they are going for this tournament. They bought Johan Vanegas this summer and they already had a pretty darn good uh, front line. Vanegas had been tearing it up for Saprissa and he makes the switch. They have a lot of really talented young players. If you look at that U23 squad that, that got eliminated, but I think did Costa Rica pretty proud me with the qualification. Um, a fair amount of players are from this team. Um, Bernardo Faro, the central midfielder who I love. Fernan Ferron, who had a rough tournament, but I think he's 18-year-old center back and already has the, the build and, and, and can absolutely do the job. Alexander Lopez in midfield. I mentioned Venegas, Jürgens Montenegro, you know, who was also on the U23 team up top, plus you add them into Venegas, and then they've got Marcel Hernandez. The, the one of the, the sort of things that could hold Liga back from being a, a true spoiler team is that as of right now, he can't travel out of the country as some very serious uh, sexual assault from my understanding allegations against him he was even going to be part of that cuba call-up again this is all kind of my understanding um was going to be part of that foreign-based cuban call-up that they did for the first time ever uh, this month in march uh, that i was able to write about um but he, his legal problems are keeping him in costa rica he can't leave the country he is playing playing well scoring goals uh, obviously hopefully the the truth comes out in that and whatever happens happens you know yeah I, I, you know certainly you just wanted it to play out no matter what. <laughs> I want the, I want justice the to be done. Whatever the truth is, I hope comes out. And yeah, mm. if, if you are guilty of those crimes you're being accused of, you should not be playing professional soccer. So uh, anyway, he could, you know, he's a key player and, and he's not going to travel. He's not going to leave 
you know, my understanding is maybe the entire time, at least certainly not for that first game they've got against Atlanta United, which I think could kind of, you know, uh, that's a blow. It's a blow. For yeah. Them. So yeah, for they're still sure. a good team. I still like them as a spoiler. I picked before the, before the draw came out. I said they're gonna they're gonna make the semifinals. That was just kind of my like wild prediction. I think I did for like New Year's. That wasn't like my New Year's celebration. That wasn't like, hey, come on, babe, let's get it. We're gonna <laughs> I'm go feeling uh, make saucy con- this yeah, year. Yeah, we're gonna let's make Concacaf predictions. What do you think? Yeah, <laughs> you know, I my partner would leave me, but uh, but no, she's still with me. But my, I wrote in my New Year's predictions of Concacaf that like Alhuvense was gonna make the semifinal. That was before the draw. I'll still stand by it. I think they're the spoiler. I think they're the team that really could uh, could make a little bit of a run. And then you know, like fingers crossed for MLS, just because not that I, you know, I. I love CONCACAF. I love the local game. I, I, I enjoy watching MLS. I enjoy watching the Mekis. I don't care who wins or who loses, but like it's a much better tournament when there are multiple different leagues that make it a long way. So uh, look, you know, I wouldn't be upset at all if, uh, listen, I wouldn't be upset at all, period, if, if uh, we're able to get fans in there by August by those semifinals and I'm up there having a few beers with you guys in Philly before a game. You know, that, that wouldn't be the worst thing at all for two reasons. One, because we'd be back in the freaking stadium drinking beers. And number two, <laughs> You know, it'd be a fun tournament if Philly makes the run. So fingers crossed. Absolutely. Sure. I don't know if you've ever made it up to this stadium no, yet. It's it's uh it's on the list. It was supposed to happen in 2020, but something else came up. Damn, you'll love it. I'll, I'll tell you now. Whatever whatever article you saw about fan experience uh, about a month back by a writer who I don't even remember right now. Oh, it was it was a Twitter thread that oh, was it, terrible. Well, it was wrong. And- because the union were in the bottom third of that list. And objectively, I think you're going to even get a lot of fans from other stadiums who say it's simply not correct. They have really, it, it feels lived in and it is a clear home field advantage when the union play there. I mean, they didn't lose all last season there, like for a reason, they didn't even need the fans there. That is absolutely their home. And to be able to bring a CONCACAF semifinal to there the soccer community here would eat it up. It's exactly what they're looking for. So, I, hope, I hope it happens. I hope it happens. Because I know I haven't been. Philly's on uh, on the list. But cool. uh, yeah, cool, cool. fingers crossed. But Paul, why can't the Union win CONCACAF <laughs> Champions League? Because oh, so essentially um, you need you need two things. Okay. It, you either need the best player on the field, which obviously the union won't have in any game because this roster is objectively weaker than it was last Just year. Just a bunch of hardworking but, fellas. Hey, that goes a long way. Hey, they know exactly who they are. I'm aware. They are sure. pretty good at keeping the ball out of the back of the net. And uh, you throw enough kids out there, someone might work hard enough for something um, to come up with some magic. Okay, and then what's the second thing? Well, no, I'm saying it's the I said both the things. It's oh, you, you okay? You didn't phrase it right, but all right. I well, mean, that's, so that's because <laughs> you interjected while I was finishing the two things, so they ended up molding together into oh, one. I'm sorry, Chuck. John, I'm, I'm so sorry, sorry. I ruined your argument. It's okay. Do in front of house guys. He's yeah. He's getting the full experience of the pot. Clearly, clearly getting the full experience of the pot. What if I told you Chuck and I were best friends? <laughs> I, I buy that. I buy that. He lying. He can tell you that. But, it, but it's but it's literally just like out of, uh, I mean, out of the MLS teams that will be there, the Union and Columbus are the most consistent teams. You know sure. what you're going to get from them 
night in, night out. Everyone else may have more talent, but I would bet on the Union in Columbus over another team. Sure. And, Unless and I Atlanta think... was somehow replaced by a team that should actually be here. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Maybe just a little bit. But and I, I think that's what gives um that I think that's what scares me about Saprisa a little bit is because you know it's not on paper you don't look at their talent and go that they're world beaters but you look and see that they've played together for so long and they have experience being in World Cups together and they have that chemistry that made the union so good is that why do they just have these guys here who just like to work hard well if you work hard cohesively as a unit you can play really good soccer. And like that, that is definitely a key thing that makes Philly so good. It makes Saprisa really good. Like these clubs that have that level of consistency and an anchor in leadership. When you look at Philly with Bedoya still being prevalent and Jim Curtin being there since God knows how long it's been a while. It's been a bit, but you know, I'm, I want Philly to go far. I'm saying that they're not going to win thing and that's okay. That's fine with me. They could get far. It'll be really cool if they do. And I'll be really happy if they do. They're just not going to win the thing. Yeah, it's, it's okay. Will you do. be able to handle Twitter if they don't win it? I mean, I have to find a new slant because Ray Gaddis retired. So maybe I'm just anti-union winning CONCACAF Champions League now. So who knows? I mean. That's, that's a little too easy. I think you need to pick something harder. Yeah, I probably do. I'll figure it out. Can we um, can we sign someone really bad so I can just not like them for the whole season? We need a really bad signing. Well, we we have a really bad signing. He just Who's hopefully will play today. Um, <laughs> it's it's sexy season. Oh, Mata Jorovets. That's right. That's right. Uh, <laughs> center back, central defensive mid transition, who <laughs> may not get a chance at either position. He's he's still on the roster. Yep. He's still on the roster. This John. man is famous <laughs> for a phrase, a misquote. In it's one, true. It's true. He wanted so we to need have to send you some su- of these. Yeah. A successful season. And he did not get wow. the whole word out. And he said sexy season. And honestly, and, he won. And, and people really loved it. It was a sec 2020 was the sexiest I Philadelphia think, yeah. Union season for oh. sure. Yeah. He wasn't a part there. of it. At all, sexy season <laughs> supporter shield. Yeah, yeah. John, thanks oh. for thanks for <laughs> yeah, joining. John, first of all, we have another question. Well, then no. ask it. You've had Do twenty it. minutes to ask that we, last. Question. <laughs> we ended up getting off track as we I do on this no, 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 no. Sorry for having in with we when it was you. I am sorry for yeah, having steel you drums dancing in my head because. Trinidad and CONCACAF. You and Paul had a 20-minute conversation. Let's just... All right. I asked it. Paul and I are still we. <laughs> um, but when some when when someone says that's so CONCACAF, what does that mean to you? I think... This is like, this is a very strange, I was going to compare it to, so like, so like if you're traveling in Latin America and someone calls you, I speak Spanish, I lived in Mexico, right? When I, whenever, if someone calls you gringo, it can be bad, right? Or mm-hmm. it can be like your buddy. 
I feel like that about like when people make fun of CONCACAF because I'm a little possessive of it. Like in some ways it's, it's ours, right? It's ours. And, and I think like sometimes it's easy for people to sort of like uh, turn their nose up at it and say it's shit and like all that stuff and all the refereeing's terrible and the pitches are bad and like, they're not wrong, but it's also like, nah, you, you can also like find the, the charm in it. So I think it depends on the context. It depends on what people mean. Typically, you know, I name my newsletter getting CONCACAF right after, after, getting hosed by the referees or the federation or whatever <laughs> so you know i i and, and i always say like if you get the joke the newsletter's for you um so you know look we, we all know that concacaf has its moments but that's also why it's it's interesting that's why it's fun you know you never hear anybody yeah now and then like people are like oh uefa you know because they're gonna like redo the champions league or whatever you never like ah you, you got uefa nah uh, i think Concacaf like has, has sort of stood out for good and bad for a long time as something that's unique and when people say that so Concacaf, i think they're probably just highlighting some of that region's uniqueness i like that i like that answer. yeah no that is nice it's, it's why you're better writer than probably all of us <laughs> <laughs> that's kind that's kind John, thanks for joining us. I, I actually, we have like two more things that I want to get into tonight. So you are welcome to stay around because I think you could have some input um, sort of on these situations. Guys, I'd, I'd love to just bring up two more topics tonight. And one, one is this. I mean, I think this one is a little bit more Philadelphia Union adjacent rather than Philadelphia Union. But um, obviously, Brennan Aronson, uh, after after his brother decides to go and, and nutmeg a defender and the goalkeeper and score in a preseason game, Thanks. Brendan decides, like, no, nah, I'm going to nutmeg a keeper in an international friendly. Um, <laughs> but, you know, plays a good, you know, 25, 30 minutes, whatever it was for for the U.S. over the weekend. Um, but in international friendlies. While the while the U23 team is is crashing out of Olympic qualifying and, Left and, and right. all this stuff, maybe maybe guys, any maybe I'll start with you, John. I mean, any just kind of initial reactions to kind of the weekend and the weekend that was for for the U.S. and and the U.S. under 23s, maybe more specifically. Yeah, I think that like it's uh, really easy to it's really easy to criticize and like the expectation absolutely should be that the U S should make the Olympics. If the, if the U S wants to be a top two team in CONCACAF, which it says it does. And I think considers itself, you got to prove it. But Honduras, this Honduras team was not to me impressive on paper. They played some okay games, but like even that first game against Haiti, they were literally playing against 10 men. Yeah. Once Haiti got to, once Haiti got up to 11 uh, because of the weird, COVID protocol that allowed them to get substitutes in in the first half. Uh, Honduras kind of shut down. They didn't look great against El Salvador. They were okay against Canada in a draw that I think like both teams are cool with. And then they just they beat the U.S. Right? They're a better team, and and I think like you see that that steel, that 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 grit, but also like the time being together. Um, you know, Mexico has a U twenty camp called right now. Those guys are going to be in there for the next three years, right? So. I think like it starts there and the U S hasn't done a great job of fostering that. So on the one hand, they should have been there and it's a failure and it's a disappointment. On the other hand, you don't see Honduras or even Mexico after winning the gold medal in 2012, like going on to win the world cup based on those teams. So I don't know that the Olympics are like a huge key for development. It's just fun to have your team in the Olympics and to root for your team. And I think U S fans should be disappointed and hold the federation as accountable as fans can, 
but without sort of a sky is falling mentality. Yeah, <laughs> just just a bit. Like there, it's justifiable anger, but it's not. Let's burn the whole thing down because you do see promise there, but it's clearly a frustrating time. But not for the Philadelphia Union guys. I mean, they they're playing well. That's really what matters, right? On this podcast, that's what matters. It's like it's like Brendan Aronson's light is just a lens that's slowly just opening, and nothing is going to stop it from getting brighter at this time because his move is clearly just constantly moving the needle up on his stock and everyone's like, well, Paxton was better than Brendan at his age. And we're now seeing him beat Orlando's two starting back lines, like in a game and making their keeper at, <laughs> as a teenager. It's like, yeah, you like seeing that there are these good U S guys just here in this region alone growing in, our system and then you think well there's a lot of systems around the u.s right now putting out these kids and you look at that and you say the future is absolutely bright for u.s but when you crash out of a olympic qualifier it's kind of hard to keep that long that long game perspective of we just gotta trust the process well shout out joel we we have to trust the process we don't have to trust jason christ Mm, yeah, no. don't okay. think we really should for any um, major ho- head coaching job in the future. I, I mean, I miss Wiki. Um, he's doing a good job in Chicago with reinventing that team. Um, yeah. But it's obvious that what that team missed was coaching because, yes, it's not the USA team. Yes, they still should have won that game. Um yeah. And no, the USA team wouldn't have actually been at that game because their teams wouldn't release them early enough Mm -hmm. to be able to go to that because they're playing in meaningful games for their team, which is exactly what you want your U23s (laughs) to be doing. So you make do with what you have. We have enough tiers of the pyramid going on here to get more than enough players in who should be able to progress. Um, And unfortunately... A lot of this fault lies on um, Mr. Ernie Stewart. It's true. Ding, ding, ding. Because that who's familiar. chief decision Who's maker? that guy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, that's my thing, right? I think it's 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 unfortunately we couldn't get our A U twenty three team there. I mean, and 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 you look at the the senior team that played the friendlies over the weekend and, and a ton of those guys probably would have been in the Olympic roster given there have been, you know, we had qualified for the Olympics. You know, I think there's, it's not a thing, you know, it's not a thing where you're looking at that roster and going, Oh, uh, you know, that was our best shot at, at qualifying for the Olympics. So that was the best roster we could have put out there qualifying for the Olympics. I don't, I don't think that's true, but I think, yeah, I mean, we've got to figure out a way to get over those those small hills here and there, and we've got to figure out a way to develop players. And I think that that, you know, coaching obviously was a huge, yeah, huge thing, um, you know, because if a team comes – most of the time, I think if a team comes out flat and and it seems not prepared for for what's happening, then that's on coaching to to make sure yeah. it's there. So, yeah, I mean, I think – it's it's challenging and frustrating. Have any any thoughts on that before we kind of move on to topic number two and then and then shut this thing down? Uh, John Hackworth can probably coach a U twenty three team pretty well. He could. He could. 
He could, though. Honestly, he probably could. He won't I, do a worse job than Jason Christ. Right. I wouldn't mind him being moved out of USL. Um, <laughs> let's... As a as a Pittsburgh River fan, Riverhounds fan myself, I wouldn't mind him being moved. Uh, second thing, guys, just U.S. Open Cup kind of alluded to it at the top of the show. U.S. Open Cup announced today that they're uh, reformatting once again for the I don't know fifth time. Can, since I, can I make a really original joke and say it's yeah. more like the U.S. Closed Cup because it's it's more like the U.S. Uh-huh. <laughs> Ah, uh, this is understandable. It's stupid. And anyone that didn't think it was going to end up being this way, I was honestly surprised because I, I didn't think that like this announcement from today was any different than the one they made like last month. And yeah. I was like, well, they're just kind of confirming it. But yeah, it, like I, I tweeted out earlier, not that anyone saw it, but the, like, <laughs> the U.S. Open Cup has been really bad at logistics for like five years now. Just go talk to um, Minneapolis City about that where it's like y'all can't even figure out how to get some of these NPSL teams to play teams that are like within 2000 miles of them and make it make sense. So there was no way they were going to be able to be able to pull off a, a first round that was cohesive. Yeah. yeah. Um, the thing for me about all this is like every tier or every league yes. has a different way of deciding which teams appear in the league like usl usl makes sense right they're like okay top four teams in the playoffs last year let's put them in the open cup this year see what they can do blah blah blah. i'm mad about it every hounds fan because they should have been there and and done that but like whatever that's one thing but like the (laughs) mls is sending eight teams to this thing yep the way they are deciding that are on the first three games of the season yes who has the most? Wait, points? what? Well, yeah, most points yeah, per yeah. game over I didn't... The three weeks. Yeah, right. yeah. So, and, and like the thing is, like, not only is it wildly unbalanced, but like Austin FC, for instance, has no home games because their stadium doesn't open until June, right? So it's like, well, right. they're not. It's like they're it. not I mean, gonna get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't actually like read this release, but just like, yeah. what the hell? Well, yeah. so here's the thing is that that's actually I, I agree that that makes way much less sense than the USL way of like let's send our four best teams from last right. year. But then the, the lower divisions or the open division, whatever you however the the, uh, the amateur division or whatever it's called, where it's everybody underneath pro. Well, they're literally picking them out of a hat, right? Yeah, where it's like uh, whoever. And I mean, and also being um, from Baltimore, I have to bring up Christos FC. Um, good old MLS topplers and it's it's very easy for the lower league teams where they could even just you know do a coefficient off of how they've done in the open cup in the past and invite the teams that have already done things in it but they don't actually want an MLS team to lose in this competition but they also don't want to just cancel open cup and run another MLS's back tournament even though that's realistically what they're doing and probably what they should do because you're right that you can't run a full um, qualifying circuit the way that it's supposed to be run with everyone kind of qualifying in their open divisions and then hopefully being able to um, win their way out of that to play Mm -hmm. in the regional pool that's also just not really a regional pool anymore because they just have it set up so you can only play four teams. Yeah. So it's just like 
they they've been just working sorry justin but i have a lot (laughs) take a breath (laughs) but like they've just been working at watering down this competition more and more before COVID, which sucks because it's the most historic competition in this country and they're just using that as like well here's the axe to finish felling the tree right right yeah so just to wrap up like so division one mls they get eight eight slots which will be de- will be determined based on average standing points per game as of May third, after three weekends of action. <laughs> so I don't know if there is a team that only plays two games on those three weekends or or whatever, but there could be that sort of situation as well. Um, Division two, so USL, they're sending their four semifinal playoff teams from last year. So that's El Paso, Louisville, Phoenix Rising, and Tampa Bay Rowdies. Division three uh, is sending is two slots which is Mesa champion, fall champion, Detroit City, and USL League One regular season champion, Greenville Triumph. And then the Open Division has two more slots, which is a random draw to be conducted on April 7th to include the following. One Open Division local qualifier drawn randomly from 12 clubs that are eligible. One National Premier Soccer NPSL team drawn randomly from the 13 that are eligible. One USL League Two team drawn randomly from 10 that are eligible and the 2019 U.S. Adult Soccer Association National to Amateur Cup champion Newtown Pride FC. <laughs> I'm cool such a Newtown fan this year. Oh, I think you so guys good. also are eligible. I think you guys also got in the mix. They said that the, the, the podcast, you guys were going to be in there. So you guys <laughs> Honestly, we have hat. the kits. We have jerseys. I throw, we'll I throw away a lot of envelopes that look well, like that. Paul, Paul's playing in Costa Lake now. So. Cards or, or car insurance. But I think that one, yeah, I think you're right. I should have our, our Casa you know team that, would not make. Like, if they drew us in, it would not go <laughs> Is there beef? I don't know. I, I hope I'm not stepping in it here. I did a story last year on Fishtown, which was a fake club that now has a real team. Are you, do you yes. beef? Or you guys know? Yes, uh, Fishtown is in the fourth. They're either in the third or the fourth division of Casas League, which is the largest <laughs> amateur league in go. America. No, no shelf, but yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, no, like something teams actually like disconnected by headphones. Trying really to, oh uh, yeah, look at that! Oh, look at yeah, that logo! I'm, I'm glad y'all don't cube. hate each other because I like I like those guys. <laughs> no, too. I love it too. Like I have a Fishtown jersey, and it's like I definitely it, I bought it before I even knew they were a team, and I was like, well, what league do they play in? And I found I, the league, and it's it's cool. It's it's a nice time. Uh, we're trying to get nicer jerseys than them, which I'll hopefully be designed for next year. But that's pretty hard to do because fish anyway, down. I, I, I hope park you guys make time. the U.S. Open Cup. I hope you guys Thanks. do that. Now. Same, Thanks. dude. Same. We could use draws. the draws, man. I can't wait to beat uh, LA Galaxy. Yeah, yeah. Well, sure. the Puerto Rico Islanders did it, and you can read about yeah. that on the Getting Concacaf newsletter. That's absolutely, dude. <laughs> go put your email in for this. You, John, John, thanks, for joining thanks for joining us. Cheers, Joe. Yes. Getting CONCACAFT. So good. <laughs> uh, well, guys. That man is a saint for putting up with us. Absolutely. Absolutely. That, you mean that man is one of us? Uh, no. No. He, nice he pick, no. You, don't, you don't pick up and start rolling no. with the shit we give you? No. I'm cut out here. No. For sure. No, Wait, he was definitely I missed able. the last 15 seconds of that. Oh, you my You all gosh. froze up. Wow. What happened? Mm-hmm. No, so just cut back in on the live recording that we're still doing. Yeah. Uh, 
No, no, we were just saying that John is almost one of us the way he picked up on all our jokes and oh, yeah. kept running no. with us, even though we have Ooh. the most random things that we could do. Yeah. Well, guys, uh, I guess we'll I guess we'll get out of here and uh, you know, an hour and some minutes later oh. finally wrap this show up. Yeah. Luckily, these are the easiest ones for you to um end up uh editing. Yeah. They are the easiest ones. Sorry for the audio quality. I wish there was something I could do about improving Zoom's audio quality, but they are easy for me to do. So there you go. Uh, guys, well, uh, we have a competitive soccer game in like what a week, something like that. Yeah, a week in two days. Get excited, we're getting there, people. Yeah, it's almost that time. We'll probably talk to you next week and try to get back on a weekly, some sort of rhythm as we kind of move into the season here. So, hope you guys enjoyed uh, getting your CONCACAF preview with uh, John Arnold. Go find him on uh, Arnold, John at, uh, on Twitter and uh, sign up for the newsletter, all that kind of stuff. You'll get all kinds of those random stories and all of that. Other than that, we are Views from the Bridge and uh, we will hopefully, yeah, talk to you soon. And uh, let's get this season rolling. Bye. Thanks for listening to Season 3 of Views from the Bridge. You can find us all over the internet, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, at VFTBpod. Thanks to our sponsors, Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier of MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. We are also sponsored by Robbie over at Icarus FC. Icarus will make the custom kit of your dreams at an affordable price. Get started at IcarusFC.com. Do you enjoy the show and want to support us? There are two ways. You can head to Design Tree at dsgntree.com slash VFTV for our latest merch, or you can just buy us a coffee or beer at Ko-Fi, ko-fi.com slash VFTVpod. Thanks for your listening and your support. Views from the Bridge is a podcast of the Beautiful Game Network at bgn.fm. Head over there to find all kinds of soccer writing, podcasts, and other content. For Evan Villela, Chuck Booth, and Paul Catrino, I'm Justin Ashcraft, signing off.